Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, all right, all right. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, 134 in Edmonton. Working out of the home office. Been here since the end of March. Might be here all the way until, I don't know, June, July. Who knows? Do want to mention Uncle Milt out at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin telling me they had a strong fall regarding their sales on used vehicles, but they're down several units and they need some trades. And the Ford Motor Company will give you a trade-in bonus of up to $2,500 for your 2016 model or older. Uh, the team at Brent Ridge Ford is keeping you safety, and their pro- top priority is to comply with all AHS safety protocols. So go see Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. And Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app. From the App Store, the Stoffer recommendation of Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. And Brendan Escott's recommendation is the Texan. It has nothing to do with him being a Houston Texans fan. We go to our headliner today for Touchback Safety, a family business taking care of your family during uncertain times. Training sessions still readily available at Touchback Safety. We welcome back to the show a man who willed himself to an NHL career of roughly 400 games, longtime analyst on the Washington Capitals television broadcast. Back on the show with Al May. Hi, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bob. Hey, uh, lots going on in the world, but not not a lot going on in hockey at this time. Or is there? Uh, where do you think we're at in terms of these quieter negotiations that are? You know, we know there's discussions. What do you think's shaking right now? I think that the, the, just agreeing on the plan and then the players' compensation, making sure they get the right amount of games, and having the fail safes in 
in case there's an outbreak during the season that if you can postpone games and still make sure that you have the integrity of everyone playing the same amount of games. And the NHL, they hit a home run the last time uh, when we had hockey this August and September. And all those cases, 35,000 tests, they didn't have one positive case. And they want to have that same type of success when we do get back to playing. And it'll be in January, late January, I believe. Uh, yeah, so you think we're 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 going to be looking at? Uh, I know that the Gary Bettman suggested the target's still January first to January third. Uh, we obviously have a problem around the world with COVID right now, the cases, and we can discuss the semantics of the 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 severity of it and how it affects different age groups and that type of things. But one of the things that we know, Al, is with the Christmas season upon us here in the next month there's a distinct possibility the case rate doesn't drop substantially. And that is going to be a challenge for the National Hockey League to deal with, isn't it? Well, it is. But once again, you know, protecting them, everyone in their environments. And, you know, what happens around the world, whether you're in Dothan, Alabama or Edmonton, Alberta, you know, people have to pay attention to what is happening. And I think the players in the National Hockey League realize, and the coaches, the owners, everyone involved, realize how important it is to – stick to the protocols and do everything that you can. There's vaccines on the way. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if NHL has access to it quicker than some by paying for it or, or doing what they have to do, and that'll piss a lot of people off. But at the same time, you know, testing is more easily readable. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to get a test now, whether it's an antibodies test, whether it's the actual COVID test, there's rapid testing. And I just think that the, the infectious disease experts that the National Hockey League has used have nailed everything. And they're going to do, I have 100% faith that they're going to make all the right decisions. And once again, you know, I don't know if we'll be as lucky as last time or as fortunate by having those bubbles, but I believe that the NHL will have success and pulling off the 2021 season. Al May joining us on Oilers. Now, Al, you're a former player. Players want to be paid full, especially given the fact that they already know this season they're going to be at minimum 72, uh, or sorry, at maximum 72%, right? 20% for escrow, 10% for deferral. So that works out to basically they're, they're only going to get 70% of their money. How much of an issue is it going to be if ownership goes to the players and says, look, we can only do realistically a 48-game regular season, and we have to pay you prorated based on those 48 games? Uh, how much of a battle is that going to be between the NHLPA and the National Hockey League? Well, one of the things that we haven't heard since Don Fair became the, the leader of the Players Association for the, National, for the NHLPA is that there hasn't been the controversy that he had in baseball. Hockey players are, are a different animal than a baseball player. And I believe that they understand this is a partnership and they've got to make sure that their owners are all right. Even though these guys are billionaires or almost billionaires, you have to worry about their financial health as well. And they took it on the chin last summer. They, they paid everything out, the $100 million or so that it costs to run the two bubble cities, uh, as an extraordinary cost. And, and they pulled it off. That came from the owners' pockets. And I think on this one, you can't expect the owners just to foot everything and, and make sure that they're taking all the losses. The players are going to have to assume, assume some of the responsibility. I don't expect them to be greedy. I think the right thing and, and cooler head, calmer head, you know, rational thinking will prevail. And that, that will be the bottom line. So, you know, whenever they decide on the amount of games, and we know it'll be 48 games minimum, I'm hoping it's uh, 82 because that's how I get paid. And uh, on, a, on a selfish note, but at the same time, when you look at this, the players have to be realistic. And you know what? If they if they don't take 
you know, a prorated on whatever they decide to take, it's that's far greater than zero. Zero point zero is not a good amount of money to be making. So, you know, I, I just think that the right thing to be done is everyone's got to share in this process, and and it's tough. There may not be fans in the buildings, and most of the cities, and, and that's going to be a, a tough one because that you know, majority of teams take fifty to sixty percent of the revenue is in arena tickets, uh, suite sales, the corporate advertising, all of that takes place. So TV doesn't pay the entire boat, and then the TV contract's got to be satisfied as well to be paid in 100%. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined right now by Al May. Al, when you played, how much uh, separation was, you know, and, and you were a, a fourth-line energy uh, winger uh, for Washington. Um, who would have been the highest on those teams? Was Mike Gardner the highest-paid guy uh, on the team, or was he already, I'm trying to think, was he already in the Rangers at that stage? Well, was, remember, when I, when I turned pro, when I was in the National Hockey League, we don't know who was the highest-paid guy. Right, and right. We didn't have salary disclosure, but uh, I, I think after it was disclosed, I think uh, Rod Langway, Scott Stevens were our highest-paid guys, and you know, it, it was a completely, it was just a completely different time. And then by the time near the end of my career, guys were finally hitting the seven-figure salaries. And now everyone basically has a seven-figure salary. So how much of a separation was between, uh, you know, you and uh, a guy like, you know, Scott Stevens and Rod Langway? I mean, Rod Langway won the Norris, both guys won the Norris Trophy in their career. They're two very good defensemen. Like, were they making seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand bucks and you were making like two fifty? Was that kind of what the range uh, it, that we're talking about? They guys weren't making that much for the you know for the most part. And I, I have a funny story from when I was at the Oilers, and it was before salary disclosure came out. And I was in a cab in Calgary back before the team bus and you know all the things that we take for granted now, all the money that's spent. And we were in a cab, and one of the players, I think Kevin Lowe brought it up, what everyone was making. I think there was five or six of us crammed in this cab, and everyone starts saying, "Well, I make this, I make this," and one of the guys in the cab lied and said he made he made basically triple of what he made and it was a four-year deal and everyone was like what and and the guys in the cab were with me mac t kevin lowe i think cruiser mike crucial this was with me marty mcsorley the other guy that was full of it and myself and the guys were telling i said and i made i basically at that time i said i make the nhl minimum i make more money in the minors than i do in the majors and uh, the way my contract was structured uh-huh. and it was kind of funny when all of that came out, how little those guys were making. And you look at what potential Hall of Fame guys were making. They weren't making jack because the owners were hiding the true salaries, what everyone was making and lying to players. Well, I can't pay you more than Gretzky. I can't take you, pay you more than Mets. And just things like that were commonplace. So the salary disclosure is probably the greatest thing that ever happened to players in the National Hockey League. I remember Essa Tickenden got paid after, I think, after the 91 playoffs where, he, you know, he was extraordinary that year for Edmonton, got the hat trick in Game 7 against Calgary. Al May joining us. Al, you have players, like, and they're special. Like, Austin Matthews is a special player. Connor McDavid, you know, I think he's the best player in the world. Connor got a $13 million U.S. bonus on July 1st. That's $20 million bucks, roughly. Matthews got $15 million U.S. Uh, now, that was not, th- those deals were not put in place because of the potential of a pandemic. Those deals were put in place because of the concern about a, a work stoppage. Um, do you think, do you think there's any, would there be concern for resentment if you got some guys that are sitting there making the league minimum and now they're down to, you know, let's say we only play 48 games. Now instead of making 700, they're making, Oh boy, uh, what's five eighths of seven hundred? Uh, I'll say four hundred twenty thousand. Uh, 
you know, that, that, there's quite a range there. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's all about bargaining power. The greatest players, they, everything's in their court as far as the, they have the total advantage. So I, there cannot be any resentment. The players all understand the, understand the pecking order of how everyone gets paid. But exactly. I would expect Connor to pay for every meal on the road when they're traveling, if they're out as a group and taking care of the guys, which I have no doubt that guys like he and Austin Matthews would do, making sure that they're taking care of their teammates. And that's kind of commonplace over the history of the National Hockey League, that the star players look out for you know, all of their teammates, and they set great examples of their generosity. And, you know, I expect all of those players, and it doesn't mean I'm demanding that they have to do it, but they understand that they've made they've made 100% of their money, basically, and the other guys are on rations right now. Still a huge ration compared to what the average person is making. But once again, you know, the history of the National Hockey League, I'm a big believer in the players and their generosity and being a great teammate. And uh, it holds true. And Connor McDavid is cut from the same cloth as Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messi and, and players like that. So I expect him to be looking out for his teammates at all times. All right. Uh, and, and I think we're both of belief that we're, we're going to see a 2021 season. Do the other teams have an advantage, especially the teams that have got a bunch of players over in Europe? You know what? They, uh, it's hard to tell who's going to have the advantage when you look at this. You know, the, the players, I know a lot of the capitals European players are guys from overseas already here skating. They all have children in school, and it's not like they're going to, you know, go back and forth. So players are training. I, I think it's to the advantage uh, of the teams that have, you know, the younger rink rats and guys that are overseas that are hang out there all day. Like Jacob Rana has the keys to the rink in his hometown. And he's out there shooting pucks and skating every day and having a great time. Tom Wilson texted me last night that he just got back into D.C. And, you know, obviously those guys, they live for the game. The older players, I think their motors will be revving better now in January than they were in August. And, uh, you know, where they're kind of their biological clock was telling them they got to be in shape for October 1st when the regular season normally takes place. But I think now the players are probably anxious all to get back. I went through a couple of lockouts and, and strikes, and it was absolutely awful. But, you know, right now these guys all want to play. They all want to get back in the ice. They all want to be their best, put their best foot forward. And guys that didn't play well during the summer, uh, I expect them to come out and make sure that they're proving to everyone that they still have a lot of great game left in them. Would players be prepared to bypass Christmas holidays to have training camp at that time to start January 1st? I would say the the majority of the players are over here. They want to get back, and you know that that's one of the dilemmas is getting back. And you know the Canadian U.S. border thing. Uh, you know we're going to have a Canadian division undoubtedly at the start of this. And, and the big thing is, you know, play, players take a few days off around the Christmas holidays or the holidays every year, and it would be no different. And I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback. And like just go back to Don Fair. He realizes the players love playing this game. Uh, that they don't think they're bigger than the game. And, and the coaches, everyone's very respectful of everyone, and they're respective of their fan bases. So when I, I look at this, I don't think there'll be any problems. There, there will be no whining. You've got to have, you know, you've you got a whiner on every team, basically, but that's kind of life. I, I look at all of this, and I just think these guys want to get back playing. They want to play as many games as they possibly can. Uh, and, and they can help out their owners because maybe you're buying time actually after vaccinations and different inventions and creations for people's health and welfare that you'll have fans in buildings maybe it's 20 percent hopefully you know 50 percent maybe even more but i think the bottom line 
is that the guys want to get back and play in their buildings, play as many games as they can. We're joined right now by Al Mayare and Al Alfano, and I don't think I've ever asked you this question. We actually opened the show today. It's Gordon Lightfoot's uh, birthday. He's 82. And we opened up with, uh, with, if you can read my mind, and that song was used in a 1973 Canadian film uh, that was produced by John Bassett, who owned the old uh, Birmingham Bulls and the Tucson Toros uh, back in the day. Was that at the Toronto Toros? And then they went, anyways. Uh that song was in that movie, a hockey movie from 1973. Other than Slapshot, do you have a favorite hockey movie from over the years? Well, I hate to say it, uh, being a Canadian and a diehard Canadian, uh, you know, I probably a shameless plug. I think I was in Boys on the Bus, but I've never seen it. I heard I was. But that was kind of a documentary. But I would have to say The Miracle. It, you know, that was one of the greatest hockey moments oh, of my life. I hate that, that movie. Was, you know what? That was one of the greatest hockey moments of my life watching that game. And I look back at, uh, you know, I'm such a huge Gretzky fan, but the things that really got me going in hockey were, you know, the Oilers acquiring Gretzky. I was already a huge Oilers fan. I was a, fly, uh, I was a Flyers fan originally in the National Hockey League, hence my playing style. <laughs> and uh, But the miracle, I just thought it was, you know, this – these guys, against all odds, won a gold medal at the Olympics. And all these American players, uh, I don't think they got their due back at that time. And, you know, over the years, they certainly have. But I, I go back and I think, it, you know, it's not a cheesy movie. It's highly motivational. Uh, Kurt Russell was absolutely phenomenal. And so I go with that. And, you know, it, it's uh, you mentioned the Birmingham Bulls. And, you know, I, I just always thought it was one of the greatest things for hockey in the United States was, you know, the, that gold medal game, and all of a sudden these kids that play hockey from everywhere, and, uh, you know, I own minor league teams in the southern states, so, you know, there, there's hockey in Mobile, Alabama, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, all those places have teams still, and I, I think, you know, that, that the growth of hockey in the United States has only helped the National Hockey League. Uh, you can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Al James has texted the show to say you were not in Boys in the Bus, but you were in the sequel. The boys are back, so there you have it. And just here's the problem I had with Miracle, and I actually met Herb Brooks before he passed away. Sat next to him on a flight back from the CHL Prospects game a number of years ago. The portrayal of Canada in the movie. Because Team Canada was just like the Americans. There were a bunch of college guys from the University of Alberta, the University of Toronto. Uh, you know, Claire Drake was part of that coaching staff uh, with uh, Tom Watt. And they kind of portrayed Canada to be a bunch of goons. And that's not how, I mean, they had the exact same, but, uh, you know, it didn't suit the narrative for the movie. So they made Canada, you know, they talked about Canada losing the Challenge Cup. Of course, uh, the NHL won the opening game of the Challenge Cup. But nonetheless... A pretty good movie. I'll grant you that. Just I don't, I, a little bit of Disney revisionist history in there for me. All that frustrated me a little bit. Awesome stuff. Can we have you out again here sometime next couple of weeks? Absolutely. I'm headed on down to the beaches in Florida. I think right away. But I can use my phone anywhere. And uh, you know what? It's always great to be with you, Bob. Hey, thanks a lot, Al. You take care, man. That Bye-bye. is. Bye-bye. That is Al May, longtime Washington Capitals player. Grew up here in the Edmonton region. And when I say he willed his way to the NHL, he did it the hard way. He's not a huge guy. Big enough. But, you know, six one and a half, hundred ninety-five, two hundred 195, 200 pounds. And uh, when every team had five or six guys that could chuck him, 
he was one of the guys that had to chuck him on a fairly regular basis with the Washington Capitals, was a teammate of Dave Tippett's and uh, currently works on the Capitals broadcast. It is currently, at this time, 152 in Edmonton. Um... This text comes in from Mike on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Mystery Alaska was a fun and different aspect to a hockey movie uh, that was funny, says Michael. Now, was that the one that had Russell Crowe in it? I think Russell Crowe was in Mystery Alaska. I could be wrong. Um, There we go. Coach Devo says, my dad was a member of Team Canada in the 1980 Olympics, so that movie is and hasn't been watched by any member of the Devaney family since then. (laughs) Coach Devo, I know your dad, so your dad was a pretty good player at the, uh, at the youth sports level. I think there were six or seven. Albert Glenn Anderson was on that team in 1980 for Team Canada, and they won a bunch of the games against the Americans leading into the, uh, Olympics in 1980 in Lake Placid, but I will tell you, as a 14-year-old kid living out in Fulton Vale, I, too, was cheering for the Americans to beat the Russians because back then it was us versus them. That's kind of how it was. It's just the reality of the situation. I know we have a whole generation that doesn't like thinking that way anymore and uh, whatever. Let's go to this day in Oilers history. Uh, Brendan Escott's back in the 630 Jet Studios. Telling you about this day in 1953. Former Oiler Blair McDonald is born in Cornwall, Ontario. McDonald drafted 30th overall by the WHA's Oilers and played seven total seasons in Edmonton, including 1979 to 1981 when they had made the jump to the NHL. He had helped usher in young linemate Wayne Gretzky into the league. He even uh, represented the team, did McDonald, at the 19 19- 1980 All-Star Game. He totaled a career-best 46 goals with Gretzky in that uh, that would have been the 80-81 season, I believe. That was the year that Glenn, uh, no, it was the first year, 79-80. He was, that was the year he scored 46, and that was the year that Glenn Sather set a fire hydrant, or maybe it was, maybe it was the start of the next season before he got moved. He said a fire hydrant could score 40 goals playing on Wayne Gretzky's wing. And B.J. McDonald ended up getting moved. He was a pretty good player in the uh, World Hockey Association. By the time, I mean, he scored 46 goals his first year in the NHL. Now, the late 70s, early 80s, a very high-scoring time in National Hockey League history. 154 in Edmonton, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Brendan, what does Reed Wilkins have coming up tonight? You are going to hear it's uh, it's Green and Gold Week, actually, and it continues with two-time Grey Cup champion Henry Gizmo Williams, Spirit of Edmonton chairman uh, Jerry uh, Harassi, and uh, Oilers Radio Network in-game analyst Rob Brown. There you go. Uh, tomorrow we'll have David Staples, John Shannon. Uh We'll see on uh, Brian Lawton, too. We just got to check on the schedule a bit. Uh, I do want to mention, coming up today on 630 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye, as of November 5th, there have been 127 shootings in Edmonton already this year. Conversations about defunding police departments continue. EPS Chief, former Prince Albert Raider, Dale McPhee, is calling on government and agency cooperation to solve the problem instead of removing money and police resources. He'll join Jalen and I after 2 o'clock. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn, followed by the 630 Chat Afternoons with Jalen and I. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.